What's up, everybody, and welcome to Pancreation Now. Uh, thanks for tuning in uh, into our program, and uh, we really appreciate your positive feedback. It's uh, inspiring for us, and for except us, except for the guy that called us a dickhead. <laughs> Go on. Hey man, long live the trolls, you know. Right, <laughs> at yeah. least he's got an input in there. You know, if we don't get a couple of those, I mean then you know, we're sleepers more or less. So, it's good. <clears throat> All comments are good. We really appreciate it even from uh, Mr. Dickhead himself. Uh I'm Aris Macris for those that don't know me. I'm the uh founder of Armac Pancreation and uh, just to clarify, many people ask me what does Armac mean? It's like oh, it sounds like an industrial industrial cleaner. <laughs> It's it's short for Aris Macris. So there's our Mac pancreation, and I needed to distinguish between everybody else, right? So I'm the owner of the uh, Spartan Pancreation Academy, and this is my uh, protege, very good friend, student, uh, and co-host, George Geo. How's it going, George? Uh, doing good. Uh, good week great. so far. Sega? Good week so far? Yeah, it's uh, been a good week. We've had nice weather outside, so I've been uh, taking the kids out. That's pretty good. I mean, we're settling in for uh, winter. Uh, I've been collecting my nuts. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they say <laughs> we're going to have the, the coldest winter in history this year. So. Really? Yeah. You mean the minus 40s started, we yeah. had last year? It wasn't <laughs> cold enough. <laughs> it wasn't cold enough. So we get more and more cold as we get along. Okay, well, I mean, I... Uh, the distinction between super cold and and very cold, you know, are base are there, right? Yeah, I say the same things. So I'm like, if it's minus thirty or minus thirty-two, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel much of a difference anyway. No, and but you're not getting like, away with it, man. It's it is what it is. I mean, you know, I I'm born and raised here, with a few exception exceptional exceptions, you know, some short spurts in Greece, and uh, I still can't get. You know, I can't get around it at times. You know, we, we look forward to the change. But uh, then when the change, uh, you know, settles in and we're into the uh, heavy cold, I mean, I find myself, you know, having less tolerance for it as the years go by. But, I mean, what are you going to do, right? I'm not moving anywhere else anytime soon. So we're still trying to get used to it. You know, it's uh, constantly having well, to that, Like you said, at least we have the variety. It's usually like that. At the end of summer, I want winter to come. At the end of the winter, I want summer to come. So Man, we don't know what we yeah. want, you know. And the grass I, and is I, always greener on the other side. Absolutely. And I keep wondering, you know, every time, you know, I see these people in places like in Vegas or in Florida and California, you know, I think you, you kind of let, you, you question it more as, you know, as you get older and you say, do these people know what it's like to have such, you know, such schizo-like hostile environments, you know, where you, you can be minus, minus five, uh, you know, minus 10 one day and plus 20 the next, you know, so. Or even from morning to night. Yeah, no, they have no idea. Even our uh, our relatives in Greece, you know, they have uh, such beautiful weather 24-7 and beach. And I have cousins that haven't gone to the beach in uh, 10, 15 years. You know, when you have it like that, uh, you're yeah, exposed to you, you, you take, take it, it for, for granted. granted. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, we say that we would do better. But, uh, you know, for the amount of time that I, when I did live in Greece, no, you kind of get caught up in the routine of things, and yes. uh, you know it's like everything else. You just take it for granted; it's there. I think, though, having being beaten up by the weather over here, I would probably take a different approach this time. I'd probably wind up going, you know, taking it less for granted, and you know, taking it for what it is, and using it up as much as possible, soaking it up, because the only thing we're soaking up over here is uh, schizo weather. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. So we, uh, as we promised, uh, you know, our uh, listeners and our viewers, um, 
We're going to move forward with uh, some of the topics. There's uh, quite a bit to uh, discuss in terms of pancreation, martial arts, mixed martial arts, the lifestyle, fitness, and life in general. Life in general, right? Because <clears throat> we don't only revolve around pancreation, right? Pancreation is just a tool, or martial arts are just a tool, you know, to get us to help us to get uh, get us uh, through life. And some of the misconceptions that a lot of people have, you know, the common folk they. They, you know, they they hear martial arts and they assume they've got to turn into Bruce Lee's or something. Oh, this isn't for me. That's not for me. This isn't, you know. Yet they'll go and do the weirdest of, uh, you know, forms of exercise. You know, animal movements and this and that and whatever. But you know, they won't consider doing something that is functional. Well, we're gonna kind of like dissect some of that as we go along, you know. And I think uh, today's topic is. Uh, oh, by the way. We are going to do our next one in uh, in Greek, as promised for our Greek viewers in Greece, and um, uh, it will be to commemorate the, the uh, last week's uh, holiday of uh, national Greek holiday of uh, October twenty-eight, Ohi Day. And I'd also like to break a couple of uh, you know uh, some taboo on uh, based on that day because there's a lot of you know there's a lot of uh, I don't want to use the word uh, maybe I will you know. Racist innuendo, you know, and discriminatory uh, comments uh, being made by, you know, some people within the Greek culture, and I think that's very wrong, you know. So, anyways, that's for later on. That's for the uh, the, uh, the the topic of uh, you know our national holidays and our heroes and you know what Greece has been to. That's what we're going to commemorate. Uh, that'll and be just on so that our viewers know what Iris is talking about. The Ohi day. Ohi means no in in uh, Greek. And uh, it's to commemorate the day that the Italian. It's what our mothers said, our wives say, or you know, yeah. everybody else say no. It's what we heard the most as children. Yeah. However, this is uh, to commemorate a day in the in our history where the Italian, the fascist Italian that's right, uh, military uh, under Mussolini. Mussolini, and that's one thing I wanted to clarify. Sorry to interrupt you. Is no, that because sure, my memory is going to go at fifty three? Just everything, just you know, almost everything goes. Not everything. Almost everything goes. Not the vital parts. So uh, it was the fascist Italian uh, Italian military under Mussolini, those that supported Mussolini. Not but it was every Mussolini Italian. that called Metaxa, right? Or the military? Yeah, it was uh, Mussolini, Mussolini himself. The, yeah, yeah, he, absolutely, he, yeah. he called the Greek prime minister at three in the morning, uh, Metaxa at the time, and asked them to surrender our fo uh, Greece's forces to the Italian army so that they can strategically place... Um, so they can have a, strate a military strategic placing in Greece for when they go to Russia. And so they can go through. They wanted that's to right. go through. And that's what they wanted to do. And that's what the Germans wanted to go through. You know? So uh, Greece said no, Ohi. And that led to the yeah. Italians invading Greece. Yeah. And they failed, by the way. They got pushed out to Albania. But then Germany came in. Yeah. However, it caused a delay <coughs> in the in the German military, and that's what strategic we'll talk against about, Russia, right? which that's caused right. the, uh, the Germans to actually uh, leave, uh, to uh, lose that battle. Uh, the thing is, uh, well, since we're already on it, might as well just uh, say you know, there's a lot of what most people don't know is that there are a lot of Italian people already living in uh, Greece that were very, very that are you know that were part of Greek life. They were married to Greeks, especially in the islands. Uh, and, and that in itself is a separate topic, you know. <clears throat> and uh, there were some islands that were that were that were Italian owned. That was through the Ottoman Empire, through the papacy. That's another historical lesson for another time, right? 
but uh, there were a lot of Italians living in Greece, very you know uh, friendly to Greece, uh, and very and many Italians in Italy that were, you know, vehemently opposed to Mussolini's you know uh, friendship uh, with uh, Hitler. They, they hung exactly, him. They, they, they Mussolini hung himself uh, killed how many Italians, right? So. Uh, you know, for all those Greeks that are out there bashing Italians, uh, you know, it's an insult to a lot of, uh, to a lot of, uh, you know, Italian friends that I grew up with that I know and friends who are married to Italians themselves. It's, this is what keeps us as a culture far behind. And I'm, I'm offended in the sense that, you know, we speak about, you know, our ancestors this or Achilles this and uh, Aphrodite this and Ares this and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? We give we give no credit to them when we speak like that because Alexander the Great had said, better to have a, a good non-Greek next to me than a bad Greek. And that's a sign of a bad Greek. You know, anybody that that's, that, that prejudice to not being able to distinguish, you know, uh, the group in itself and put everybody in the same pot. You know, um, so for anybody out there that, that hears this stuff, you know, yeah, we're, we're, our we're apology. You know, we're uh, not we're not uh, bashing Italy <clears throat> for for attempting to invade. We're we're bashing Mussolini that was in charge of Italy at that time, which was a fascist. Same way that we don't blame all Germans for Hitler's actions. Yeah, a lot of Germans were against Hitler's actions. How they just had to follow orders or be killed. Yeah, and our, our you know on behalf of the the Greeks that are that are that have two you know two bit common sense about things you know our apologies <laughs> to all those that you know that have felt offended or had to listen to you know garbage coming from uh, you know certain individuals within the uh, hellenic race you know uh, speaking like that it's as if uh, we should kill all turks because the ottomans decided you know they wanted to you know a few that are still uh, you know support the ottoman idea you know should invade greece i mean how many turks we know that are friends and how many turks associate themselves in greece uh, with Greeks, and uh, that's just how it is. People are people, and you can't blame an entire cult, an entire you know people, because of the decisions of governments. Just like today, you know, our government is not, you know is 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 literally you know is tearing down the structure you know of, of the Hellenic ideals and so and, and the way of life in Greece. Uh, you know, so it, it is government in themselves. So when you hear people saying stupidities about uh, you know. Uh, this and that about the Italians uh, know that uh, you know that does not reflect our opinion and the majority of the Greeks' opinion. That reflects only the opinion of the small-minded individuals that just have not left their grade, their grade seven mentality that they learned in Greek school. You know, and they've misconstrued the entire scenario. You know, but we do commemorate that day because it is a big day. It is a day about you know uh, a country that uh, was uh, you know that had a small population, barely had anything. Uh, was in you know was very poor at that time. Uh, they had already gone through a couple of Balkan wars too. So I mean you know their funds were basically depleted, and uh, they stood up to a force that was much larger than uh, than ours. And I remember my grandfather being in it and having him telling me stories about this. Um, and it was just uh, I think an example of uh, you know what civilization is about. You know it's same on, and they called that along with the War of 1821, another Thermopylae. That's what they basically called it. So, you know, it was, again, a small force, as always, as Greece has always been a small force, you know, uh, outma outnumbered by uh, a greater force and having to deal with them and winning over them, you know, and, uh, you know, defending their country. So anyway, so we're off back into the topic of pancreation, martial arts, mixed martial arts, and the world of fitness and life. Uh Today, uh, we wanted to hit 
uh, as one uh, one person had asked, and uh, it was uh, it was what is the distinctions between uh, pancreation and mixed martial arts? In order to do that, in order to to give you the distinctions between pancreation and mixed martial arts today, I'd have to take you back a little bit into history because it's important to mention what pancreation was. Okay. Uh, where it came from, uh, those will, you know, those are things that are going to be analyzed as we go along. This is a big topic, and people need to also have a grasp of history in order to understand it a little bit better, right? So, uh, pancreation was, you know, pancreation, in, in a, as a word itself, we use it as pancreation. What does he do? He does pancreation, you know, or pagratio. In uh, the ancient days, they didn't say he does pagratio, you know, cani pagratio. He used to, he was used as a verb. It was we can't use that in the English translation. We can't say he pancreatizes. It's, it's a noun, pancreation. But it was also used as a verb back then because that's just how uh, eloquent and how you know detailed the, uh, the meticulous the Greek language was. So when two people would you know when a few people would pass by and see two guys you know uh, mixing it up you know engaged locked in and still exchanging shots, uh, they knew that that wasn't wrestling. So when they were, the question was asked, you know, what are they doing? Well, the person they knew would say, you know, okay, using, using all powers. They're using all powers in one word, you know, but it was a verb. That was what was good about the Greek language. You could use... Uh, you could use one word to describe a whole, to elaborate a whole meaning. Yeah. Like instead of saying to use all powers, we actually had a word. Which is exactly. It's hard to translate it from uh, from Greek to English. Uh, it doesn't reason. have the same nuances. And, you know, like the, we say, you 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 know you pull a com- you, you, you change where a comma goes and you change it. Well, that's known for, an, you know, for the entire literary, uh, you know, um, uh, category. I mean, you change a comma and all of a sudden things change in its meaning, right? So and that's that's just grammar. But when you're making a translation over it, it doesn't give the same feeling. You can't say, you know, he. It's not like karate, you know, or kung fu, you know. It's it described what they did. But just the same thing in uh, wrestling or boxing, you know. When they say, uh, "What are these two guys doing?" Two guys that were actually wrestling. They'd say, "Well, palevun," but they knew that there was no striking involved, you know. Or when they did the. You know, they were boxing, pugilism, you know, it comes from the word pigmatevun, you know. Uh, so they knew that they were boxing. There was no kicking involved, no wrestling involved. There was just fists. There was no elbows, no knees, no nothing. It's just fists, you know. So we have to understand that it comes down to, um, it comes down historically to what these guys did. These guys, they, they, they punched, they kicked, they kneed, they elbowed, and they grappled. Did they grapple? Did they wrestle? No, they didn't wrestle per se. Did they go to a wrestling? These are misconceptions that need to be, you know, that need to be clarified, you know, cleared completely. Did they, um, did they go to a wrestler to learn how to wrestle? No, they didn't. Nowhere in the history of any documentation, you know, coming back from those days, does it say that they went to a wrestler to learn how to wrestle, or they had wrestling coaches from wrestling? to teach them how to wrestle <laughs> like they have today. And I'll explain to you the differences and how it pertains to today's society also. In, in small nuances, in reflexive, reflex, reflective, reflexive reactions, you know, and how the body functions, and how the nervous system and the brain function together, you know, to create a response, right? 
So <clears throat> that's right. If you're training just uh, just wrestling without striking, then you're you're not building that natural instinct reflex to to defend a strike that's gonna come. Take in. a soccer player. You think a soccer player can come in and kick the back the way we do? He kicks. All he does is kick, and he does some really fancy kicks too. But they can't kick the way we kick. They're geared in a particular way. Their body's been trained and reflexively to react in that particular way. And that's just how it is. And they need to work in that way. So what happens is that they couldn't get a coach to come in there from wrestling to teach them how to wrestle because that coach, they understood. They were intellectuals, the Pancreatius, back in the days, especially in the schools of Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates. These guys were all... Uh, intellectuals, few were granted the privilege to be in a Pancration school, in a, in one of the schools, in these type of schools, you know, uh, these academies. Very few were given the the uh, the the privilege to attend these, and Pancration was not just like it's not like what it is today, where everybody can go and join in a Pancration you know school and learn Pancration. It didn't work that way. Be worthy. Eh? You have to be worthy to. Uh you have to come from a family, uh, you know, a, a noble family, uh, you know, uh, one of the socialite families type of thing. They just didn't, in the rest of Greece, Sparta was different. Sparta, it didn't matter who you were, except unless you were as physically as you were incapable. Yeah. As long as you were a Spartan, you know, they took you in at seven years old, you learned everything, you know. But they used to mimic a lot of it. The kids, you know, well, physically incapable. You would have been left on the mountains, uh, on the top of the mountain. Was was it no, no. The, that's style. a myth. That's a myth. That is, uh, you know, that is a myth that spawned in the uh, in North America. You know, in the uh, late eighteen hundreds. You know, and this is the myth that says that they used to grab the kids and they used to throw them off the cliff. And that's not true. They would and abandon them. In they the, wouldn't in abandon the, them at all. No, of course not. They wouldn't abandon them. It was part of the religion. I mean, you have to understand. Spartans were religious individuals. Part of the religion was not to abandon anybody. It was about love is about family is about country so it wasn't they never abandoned them they so just did a, not this was a it was a myth it never happened it never it, happened it, what they did was is that they would exclude them that myth uh, throwing uh, babies off cliffs. well that's pretty uh, brutal the myth like is like that well that that gave the notoriety to the spartans if you weren't well you know you weren't 100 percent, they throw you out well, that'd be about two th you know i guess they just want to let you join the army they would not let you join the like army. You'd be part of society, you know, working fields and whatever, but you would not be a part of the military. Don't forget, the Spartan military was very minimal. It was a small, it was a very, very small force. You had to be physically, but not just physically. I mean, you could be physically, you know, uh, physically capable, but there were a lot of people in there documented that had asthma, you know, that, that, that were part of the military too. I mean, they were sick, or if you, they're not sick, you can't consider an asthmatic sick. But they, you know, you take an asthmatic, you know, no medication today, he, he suffers quite a bit. And having asthma all my life, I know what it's like having to, you know, struggle, you know, at moments of uh, heavy fatigue, heavy training. And if anything, that's what's actually helped my asthma over the years. It was the heavy training, not light uh, training, heavy training. And my doctors always were kind of like mesmerized by, you know, my ability to, you know, to do the bloat, uh, test which was more powerful than you know normal individuals but it did help in it and don't forget today is pharmaceutical oriented right so i mean uh, you know natural ways of dealing with it like they did back then doesn't exist anymore now it's resurging you know and come back out again but nothing what it was back then so asthmatics were part of it you know so it was those that had deformities that could not be considered as part of the spartan military force but they were given back to their parents they you know it was a it was a it was a it was a place in which they kept them you know they were just 
part of families, part of society, but not the military society. They didn't have that cruel regime of throwing babies off cliffs. Absolutely not. That's absolute garbage that came in from North America. And, you know, we had to deal with a lot of garbage, uh, you know, from that. But that's a, com- th- those are, those are entire different, those are episodes in themselves. You know, you can, you have a year, years worth to talk about that stuff. So the thing is that in Sparta was the only place where they actually took the kids at seven years old. Anywhere else, uh, being a Pancratiast was, uh, was a privileged, you know, uh, uh, to be part of, you know, to belong to a family that you had, where you had the right to go and where you were privileged to go into an academy and learn from Socrates, Aristotle, or Plato, or any one of them, right? So now, a Pancratius back then, they because they were very, you know, intelligence was first and foremost. I mean, that was, you know, that was their thing, man. Everything was scientific to them. You know, when you have a when you have a a person who can sit and discover the circumference of the earth very close to it, you know, using a, a stick and using mathematics, I mean, how much more would you be able to, you know, uh, create a method of combat, you know, as complete as pancreation, especially since it's already in, you know, it was it was a necessity, it was part of the, you know, part of part of the way of life in there, you know, because Greece was just a military country back then. It was their military conquests were everywhere, right? So <clears throat> it was out of necessity that pancreation grew, but it didn't just grow. You know, and said, "Hey, we need something that's gonna pick us up." I mean, you know, and that's gonna get us through the battle. No, they need something that when they created it, they created understanding. There's certain elements behind it that is that that is much greater than that of boxing or wrestling. They also understood that going to a uh, to an individual, a coach who dealt with wrestling alone and knew nothing about the environment of a pancreatist, somebody shooting in on you, somebody punching you, somebody kicking you, lower, higher, whatever, using the combinations of any one of those three to try to get into you or you know to uh, to knock you out. They couldn't go to them because they knew these guys just did not have did not have the knowledge of that environment. So they found that it used to, it, a waste of time. It wasn't even a topic back then because it was understood. And you know, when, the, when, a whole, when all these philosophers have sat down at one point and discussed, um, you know, um, uh, sports-specific type training, they knew that they cannot put, uh, they cannot have somebody who doesn't know anything uh, about one environment train somebody else within that environment. You know, because he's just giving him his perspective of an environment he's not aware, he's not familiar with, but only of that of the of the environment that he is familiar with. So they did not go to a boxer to learn how to box, and just because they use their fists doesn't mean they're boxing. Boxing means I'm only using my fists. I'm not doing it in combination. Oh, well, look at it today. He's not he's not boxing. He's kickboxing. But his boxing skills are great. No, his kickboxing skills are great because he's using him in tandem with his legs. You know, Muay Thai guys are not boxers. They're Muay Thai guys. They use the, they use their fists in combinations with their elbows, their knees. Their, you know, their Muay Thai is great. Well, Pancratius, even more so back then, because they had to combine all these elements with the shooting in to be able to create an effect. So they considered having, the thought of them having to go to a boxer or a wrestler was like beneath them. They trained separately in separate areas. Completely separate areas. So boxers and wrestlers trained in the same gymnasiums. Pancratius trained in different gymnasiums by themselves, uh, along with other type of athletes, but not other combative athletes. And not two Pancratian uh, methods were identical, right? Just like the Spartans were, all, and the Athenians, although in any other Greek, although dressed almost alike, identical with different color, their training methods were completely, you know, 
passed the basics were completely different. They, they, they addressed them in a much more uh, meticulous way, the Spartans. So pancreation in itself, first and foremost, was a unified art, a unified method of fighting that, in which its environment was understood. So the coaches understood, the pedotrives back then understood what the environment was because they were there also, they were there as well. They understood what re- what was required of a pancreatist in that environment. His his punching and kicking and grappling skills could be, neither of those three could be uh, could be lesser than the other. But then, do you need that much more wrestling, you know, to be a great pancreatist? Well, there was a lot of you're locking horns with people. The basics were the basics. Restraining an individual in a particular position so they can hammer them into creating an effect and opening to get into a better position, either knock him out or create serious damage where the guy gives up or gets killed, in which there's only one one death, and I think we discussed that last time. Um, uh, <clears throat> it was 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 very you know was equally important. So they needed to be able to take these little tools and use them in a completely different structure. And their drills were oriented for that. Now, how do they distinguish, you know, whether, especially in the mosaics or the, the pottery or the art that we see, you know, uh, what was pancreation, what was wrestling? Well, what they did is, you know, you can, you can distinguish one from the other. Uh, what we have behind us, you see, is uh, a wrestling format. And the only reason we put that mosaic up there is because we like it. The colors are nice. They suit us. It's, uh, it's a nice backdrop you know and uh you know it's it's just beautiful but it's not a pancreation right uh backdrop it's a it's a wrestling uh backdrop now how would you determine whether somebody was doing wrestling or or uh, pancreation or boxing well you would see it would either be fists or that would determine lack of yeah it would be fists you you would see that these guys are just punching uh, the artists drew what uh, what they saw and interpreted it separately one from the other. Uh, you'd see guys uh, kicking while somebody's on the ground and his fists are up. That meant the guy was doing pancreation because right. he had him on the ground and he was kicking. Uh, you have one guy, you know, with uh, catching a guy's kick and then, uh, you know, going to attempt to, uh, to wrestle or to punch him while the other guy's punching as a counter. Then uh, you know that that was a pancreation mosaic. It was about pancreation. Yeah, like the, like this guy's grabbing the the other guy's arm. He's this not is def- strictly he's, wrestling. He's not defending. A, no, an it's elbow. a typical wrestling uh, position, right? And nothing has changed since then. The only well, what has changed is how they wrestle today to score points. Is how they did it back then. Completely different. So back then, you were allowed small joint breaks, uh, manipulations, uh, dropping a guy on his head. And what in <laughs> wrestling? In wrestling, chokes, this, that, absolutely everything. What you have, you'd have to combine. You could grab somebody's finger and break him. And, yeah, and absolutely, wrestling. absolutely. Toes, this, that. That's how the guy. Lo- that's how the guy won. Who actually died? In uh, the only death in a pancreation tournament is one guy getting choked from a rear naked uh, choke position. The, he, the other guy in the back had it locked in really well, and the other guy. The only thing you could do is, since the other guy had his legs in front, he grabbed the guy's toe to break. You know, and he actually won as he got. How did he as he as he asphyxiated when his toe broke. When his toe broke, the other guy gave up. But by that time, his, the other guy was already asphyxiated. Oh, wow. You know, that so, died, but won by default, but died. Yeah, that's the only death in a pancreation tournament. So now, back then, to you know, just to get on topic, pancreation back then was very brutal in in, in as a sport. 
in you know in in a way of they only had two rules no eye gouging no biting uh three rules and no fish hooking and even that the spartans considered it very very lame they go hey man if i'm allowed if you're allowed to do it to me i'd like to you know if i would let you do it to me i'd like to do it to you i mean what is that you're putting rules you know in a pancreation tournament you know exactly so you know and they took offense to it that's why you never saw um, an adult pancreatius a spartan fighting in a pancreation tournament in any one of the games although they have done as amateur exactly although you have documented uh documented the youth of spartan uh, the spartan youth fighting in pancreation uh, tournaments olympia uh, olympia uh it's like practice sport to them yeah, exactly that's what it was you know they're they're testing themselves the using the military. others the, the adult followers yeah. were doing it for military they had no interest in this but they were preparing uh, the young ones also too you know in these tournaments to kind of like practice for the real thing that's what their that's practice right, yeah. was but don't take anything away from the rest of the pancreatius in greece they were equally uh, notorious and brutal you know in the in, in the way of their practice just the same i mean okay you took away a certain instinct which in essence is a big instinct for war which is spartans you know uh, voiced over and over again, but you know they were still notorious. You know um, the thing is that to distinguish between a, a wrestler and a boxer and a pancreatus back in the ancient days, uh, because wrestling was different. You'd have to combine today wrestling, judo, uh, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, all in one type of thing. To you know because it's been dissected. What ancient Greek wrestling was today has been dissected to either throwing from judo or locks from jiu-jitsu and judo too and or, you know, uh, restraints from uh, wrestling itself. And wrestling itself has taken up a modern Greco-Roman wrestling or freestyle has taken up a completely different, you know, slightly different approach, you know. Uh, so back then everything was allowed in the sense of anything you can wrestle. Break a finger, break a, you know, break, whatever, break a toe, you know, uh, knees, this, that, the whole shebang. All shoulder joints were for the taking. Now, you did have, though, and it is documented, although... If wrestlers, you know, were, like we said, there was, just because there was grappling, I tied, you know, I locked horns with a guy on the ground, doesn't mean I'm wrestling with the guy, I'm punching him out. I'm maintaining a certain position, you know, maintaining a certain restraint on the guy, punching him out, but I'm there to create a certain effect, right, as a pancreatist. I'm not there to out-wrestle him. That wasn't my base. Hence, that's why they wouldn't go to a wrestler to teach him how to wrestle, because the guy has no understanding of the environment of a pancreatist. So they considered it, you know, no go, done. And you do have documentation, though, of pancreatists winning in pancreation in the Olympic Games, in the big games, and at the same time, winning in the same games, entering and winning wrestling and boxing. How do you do that? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I guess that the pancreatus can can win in in the other sports. Because the they, other sports, uh, the other athletes couldn't compete in. Pancreatus. No, because it was second to, for them. They were second to none in any one of them. You know. Now you have a lot of guys that are today that are in MMA that are competing in let's say grappling tournaments, but I don't see too many guys in MMA competing in boxing tournaments. I think it was Jardine, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I have to check my facts. That tried getting into uh, professional uh, boxing, he got knocked out yeah, because. It's I their, think it's, it's the, and field. hence where I'm going to go with this, you know, the difference between today's MMA and pancreation and how we work at the school. Although I don't have any, any, any uh, professional fighters out there except for amateurs, um, we still try to train with the same principles that they trained back in ancient Greece. 
Now, the differences between understanding how the pancreas worked back in the ancient days is important to understand the differences between today's MMA and pancreation in general, right? Pancreation in general um, was a unified art. So all the drills were built based on the environment that they would encounter. So that means that uh, they expected the guy shooting in, they expected the guy kicking, they expected the guy flying in with a knee or an elbow or a kick uh, or a punch, you know, or a combination of any one of those to set up the other guy. And because there was no rules, it made it very interesting. Uh, the weight, were, uh, sorry, because there was no weight categories, you know, it leveled out the playing field a little bit for everybody and forced everybody to work a little hard, and the smaller guy to work a little harder. But it, it encouraged more strategy, you know. But they were also equally trained, more or less. Equally trained. Not one guy has a, he's got a, a more of a grappling base while the other guy's got more of a kicking base so it keeps it up. No, they were equally, equally, equally uh, uh, skilled. Uh, so what happens was in that scenario is that the little guy has to work a little harder, you know, to get around the bigger guy, a guy that weighs, uh, you know, a uh, hundred pounds more, 80 pounds more, or 50 pounds more. Here people are freaking out over 10, 10, 15, 20 pounds more, you know, uh, because there's weight categories. Imagine now yeah, no rules. Five, five pounds. Rousey and the cyborg haven't fought because of five pounds. <laughs> A fight that would make so many millions of dollars, so you know? much, so much demand. You're talking about, yeah. You're talking Just about so you can know arts. yourself that you're the best. Fight exactly. Pounds. You're talking about martial arts here, man. I mean, you're testing your skill, right? And that's what it was for them. They were testing their skills. Imagine yeah. the agent Pycradius saw that that the people are refusing fights for five pounds. It would have been a laughing matter. To they would have been. They would have been excommunicated. Probably made statues of them. You know, in the city, saying and and writing. This guy refused to fight another guy because he weighed five they, pounds they, they more. They did that a lot, eh? The Greeks, they, well, they put you If you were a cheater, they, they put a statue up on yeah, you they, doing they that. they would make sure that you go down Absolutely. in history. Like Ephialtes, Ephialtes himself, remember the traitor of mm -hmm. Thermopylae? They made him... They Every time I think of it, I keep thinking about that Igor-looking guy with the hunchback. Yeah. You know, cheese man. Well, the Greeks—that was the the uh, the traitor of at Thermopylae that uh, the trade that uh, betrayed us to the Persians. Absolutely. And they went, and now no Greek will ever name their child uh, Ephialtes. And the Greek language actually adapted that word Ephialtes as nightmare. It is nightmare. We say nightmare. That's night what it is. That's it's why a we use. That's why we it's use word that word as nightmare. Can sleep why? Yeah, that's I had he, nightmares. Like, don't make sure you go you go down in, in <laughs> but history. But isn't it uncanny, though, that he should have... Isn't it, I mean, ironic, you know? But his paradox that he'd have the, same, the name for story. that. You'll never forget his story that no. he was a, a traitor. Man, just some things that were meant to be in history, right? So, I mean, you know, when you had different weight... Uh, I mean, no weight categories, and you had uh, smaller guys... They needed to find ways around the bigger guy, which forced their their ability to move, uh, their ability to stick and hit, move and try to get in in the right, you know, never never head on or try to take the other guy down or take his rear. And there's a lot of, and there is, you know, there's uh, documentation where a lot of these smaller guys are taking the rear of the big guys you know, because they had mobility. The bigger guys going in there are heavier to move, although you can get some very, very fast moving, in, you know, uh, uh, fast moving big heavy guys. Uh, it still forced the smaller guy to do, you know, to work a lot harder for it, right? But that was reality. They appreciated reality back the ancient Greeks, regardless of the area in Greece, right? So they said, well, you're not going to choose the enemy. It could be bigger. He could be greater in numbers. You just can't choose him. You have to be prepared. Hence why the first UFC, the first two or three UFCs, there were no weight. There were no weight counters, no nothing. There was only a few rules, but there was no time limit to correct 
There was no time limit on that. So the thing is that uh, that's why they, they, they lasted hours and hours and hours, you know. <clears throat> but So the thing is, or minutes or seconds, depending. There was nobody equally prepared in there. So one guy taking advantage of the other guy's lack of preparedness. Then when they started leveling out the playing field where strikers started to learn how to grapple more, all of a sudden, you know, the well-known uh, grapplers are not having it easy anymore. If anything, they're losing. Because it takes years to practice, you know, getting your, your weapon on target. Years, years to practice that, you know, so, and then to combine it in two. So anyways, going back to, you know, the, the, the distinctions between MMA and uh, pancreation, ancient pancreation, and what we do at the school today is when we say pancreation at the school today, I don't say I'm doing uh, grappling, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu one day, we're doing kickboxing the next day, uh, we're doing boxing the next day, wrestling the next day, because uh, each one of these has different stances, and it has different protocols. And with that comes, as the ancients knew, different reflexive reactions. Now, I take nothing away. Having said that, I take nothing away from some of the high-end MMA guys who are, you know, who are displaying those pancreation qualities. And like Chael Sonnen said, you know, a few years back, goes, we're not doing MMA, man. It's not mixed martial arts. You can't reinvent the wheel. This is pancreation. And you got to be ready for it. Um, so... The difference was that today you're going to go to a, a, a boxer, a wrestler, a, 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 you know, a Thai boxer, and a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy to up there. But each one has its, its own nuances. It's still, when you're doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's not inherent of you to be blocking anything coming to your face. Uh, then you can say, well, yeah, we modify it for that. Okay, you can modify it for that, but I don't plan on spending my entire time on my back, and that won't be second nature for me. I remember the military, having worked with the military for a while, uh, they had adapted due to the Gracie craze, you know, everybody pulling guard. Military guy pulling guard in the battlefield? It just goes to show you how either we have the most uneducated... Yeah, we have the most uneducated generals. I mean, who's in charge of these people? This is why we've completely... Uh, we're, you know, Seriously, experiences... Pulling guards should be yeah, like but don't forget, we come from a culture... Resort. We come from a culture where we're sitting back behind walls shooting at each other. Well, back then it was mano a mano. So it forced you to find a way around that. Whereas today, instinctively, you're not staying in the, in, in the way of a bullet. We're hiding behind doors. So it's not second nature for them, although they need it. But you will come in contact at some point with somebody. Last thing I want to do is pull guard. Yeah, exactly. It should be the, the really the last resort. I got a boot Action. knife, boom, 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 and I've and I've and I've showed that every time I've gone to, uh, I've worked with a, a particular military unit, you know, uh, adapting uh, a wrestling-like format where I'm going for double leg takedowns, uh, totally ignoring the fact that the guy's got a 45 up over here or a big Bowie, and I said, okay, no problem, take me down. They take me down, held him nice and close, pulled out the boy, tick, yeah. tick, 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 tick in the back of the neck. I mean, you're done. So th we have uneducated ourselves in terms of our approach. Due to the fact that sport has taken over and is trying to replace reality, and it's not, it can't, it shouldn't. Reality is a completely different set of uh, uh, rules, and I'm talking about the average brawler that's never done a martial arts class. Back in my time, everybody was doing martial arts, and every tough guy and bully was in there at a high level, because we just trained like it, you know, like nutcases. So you had the school bully doing martial arts while you're doing. <laughs> Martial arts also you being picked by the uh, picked uh, picked on by the school bully going oh so we're doing martial arts a little guy boom you know today it's not the same thing now you have YouTube warriors you have the average guy says a little YouTube goes and challenges the MMA guy no, that's not a good street fight 
<laughs> that's, that's suicide. You know, so it's not good examples. You're not comparing examples of the ancient days where you take two guys that are equal. First of all, no, no Pancratius back in the day would even attempt to accept a challenge by somebody with no skill. He wouldn't. He'd call it, from any part of Greece, he'd call it an embarrassment. Not worthy to fight him. Not only not worthy, I'd be embarrassed to beat him up. Exactly, yeah. I would be embarrassed. That's how we take it. You know, it's not hitting my ego now. I mean, this is just ego-based guys that are accepting, uh, you know, street, you know, street, uh, fights in the gym. And what kind of fights? I mean, they're not really street fights. They're not really street fights. You'd have a, you know, a guy would have a pocket knife in there, catch you when you least expect it. Boom, boom, boom. And there's, there's, there has. You know, there are stories that have been uh, that have come out in the news where a lot of MMA guys from around the world, you know, you know, finding themselves in those predicaments and on the other side of the blade. You know, so the thing is that, and today most MMA guys are working in a one-dimensional, you know, you know with blinders on, going this way because my opponent is there. They're not working in a three-dimensional thing, you know, a three-dimensional uh, perspective. As a doorman, I had to work. You know, I had to have eyes all around me. So it wasn't just the guy in front of me. It was his buddy next to me. It was the guy coming after me with a bottle in the back. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of uh, this Brazilian uh, MMA fighter who was actually in the UFC uh, recently. Not too recent, but uh, he got into a, f- a similar fight like that at a gas station in Brazil. Yeah. And he was destroying uh, one or two guys while the third the third guy hit him off the head with a bat and he died. So, yeah, it's not the same setting as... Uh, yeah, and when you say uh, destroying, sport. he wasn't actually destroying them. He got into a fight with the guy inside the Depanura. Remember that video? And they caught him on the outside. One guy just came by with a bat, you know, with a plank. I mean, really did some damage on him. And then if you compare the, the Pancratius of old, each one of these guys was skilled with weapons. It's three-dimensional, man. It was the oh, art of even, war. Uh, that's right, right. Fighting Arachion, who fought, uh, you know, Alexander the Great's fully armed top uh, soldier. I forgot his name. You know, he fought him with a club, naked. Beat the living shit out of him. And and with what? what <laughs> the guy Alexa- was got his shield. He's got... Right? Oh, Alexander's guy was fully equipped. Fully though. equipped, fully armed, man. You know, and the guy, how many how many kills did the other guy have? Now, those guys were pancreatus also. The other guy was there to train a lot of people. But Alexander, you know, having won a, a battle, says, hey, uh, let me show you my the pride of my uh, he was, stock. He was a Pancratius as well, Alexander? Yeah, style. all of them were basically trained in Pancratius. Alexander was a Pancratius also. All of them did. They all trained through his father and the rest of them. You know, the, the thing is that was part of he common. He fell on a str- uh, better Pancratius. He fell on an Olympian. He didn't <laughs> fall on an Olympian. They invited the Olympian to come in there and to train the military, you know, his guys, and to show his stuff and whatever. And that was part of it. You know, I think, you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think you almost kind of like got railroaded into... I guess an ego. Uh, you know, yeah, railroaded into saying, this is Alexander's top guy. It was an ego. Well, in the end, he hung himself because he heard that Alexander was going to ki- wind up killing him, you know, in the at nighttime when he was sleeping. So he went and he told Alexander, I think I covered it last time, uh, you know, at the risk of you killing me behind my back, you know, in the dark, I'd rather do it by, by, by my Just own so hand. so that the viewers understand, because we went back and forth a few times on that one. Uh, Alexander put one of his uh, soldiers to fight uh, Pancratius, and the Pancratius beat his soldier, and then uh, then he committed suicide so that Alexander doesn't kill him. Yeah, so Alexander was, had a very big ego. Yeah, you insulted him. You took You took out his top guy it wasn't even an, a draw or something you took out his top guy with a club so in comparison to today's MMA guy which he, we t- again I praise these guys who are out there working their passion you know and, and, and training uh, training for their sport you know but back then it wasn't a sport what we consider a sport today back then was very real life you know and it was three dimensional so today 
you know, you can say, well, a lot of people say, yeah, but the, the, the guys did boxing. Uh, what do you mean they didn't box? They didn't box. They didn't box per se. Now, if a guy comes in there as a kid, for example, like some of my kids, they don't know how to, you know, the, the kids that come in there or somebody's done nothing before in his life, yeah, he's got to get his fists working, his kicks, his elbows, the combinations, the, the, the harmony between these two and the short weapons, the knees and, and, and the rest of them. Yeah, you have to break things down slowly, slowly, but we do it in a different way where we combine, where we slowly, slowly introduce him to an environment that teaches him how to put these in harmony in combination with the ability to open up that door so they can go in and take the clinch in a non-wrestling type manner. So the thing is, uh, the difference was that while the ancient Pancratius type of uh, training addressed his environment and the drilling was formed for that environment, which in turn gave him a reflexive reaction, instincts that the body moved accordingly. Whereas today, you're getting guys coming in from all sorts of different sports and getting into uh, MMA, you know, and a lot of wrestlers had come in at one point and thought that wrestling was the ideal thing in MMA, you know, and they were the tougher guys in MMA, and while wrestling is tough, and you, still, you get guys like Weedman that still can't, you can barely kick uh, as good as uh, some other guys, you know, and guys that can have a hard time punching, you know, just because they learn a little bit of punching. Everybody goes back to their base, you know, and if that base was grappling, that's what they'll go for. You know, if that great base was, uh, you know, was mostly striking, they'll try to defend the opposition, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you're talking about a real weight category, you know, same weight categories, uh, there's also, a, a, you know, something, a substance missing over there. So when you're training different things, you know, something's got to take pre uh, 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 prevalence, uh, precedence, you know. Uh, something has to take, you know, the, initi the, the, initi the initiative, the initial stance, initial reaction. Uh, Thai boxing has a completely different uh, stance uh, than boxing does, and that of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, a different approach. So, and we'll cover that at another episode in the, the, the small intricacies of the differences, you know. But at the same time, I mean, we're moving into a direction where people are starting to become a little bit more unified. So, <clears throat> basically, that's it in a nutshell. So we'll end the episode by mentioning our sponsors, which is Gold Silver Investments and Armand Pancreation Spartan Academy in Laval, Quebec. Uh, without these sponsors, this podcast wouldn't have been possible. And we thank our viewers. Our viewers are, are yeah. <laughs> the, the, the number one reason why we do it. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for liking. And if you're in the neighborhood, don't forget to come. I think the address is, uh, we have it in the links. Yeah, we the got links Spartan down, uh, down below to, to the academy. Come to in the and website. try a week free, man, and uh, see what the difference is. You know, I think the environment, the entire environment, you know, is uh, captivating. That in itself would attract you, and the training itself is. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that you saw that you saw the, the link at, uh, at the video. Iris here will give you a week free trial at the academy to see how you uh, like it. Well, he's, uh, yeah. he's been doing this for over 30 years, so he's, uh, he's experienced in the field. Experienced in the, uh, blah, the blah, blah of the field also, yeah. you know. Uh, we do what we can. And uh, we hope to see you at the academy. And uh, don't forget, as we say, take life into your own hands before it slips through your fingers. Until next time, this is Iris and George Gio. Take care.